Welcome back to the Blind Side Rewind. Justin, man, what a first episode of season 41. What a first episode of season 41, man. It was, and, and for me and you, you know, like, we're not hardcore old school Survivor fans. We appreciate old school, but this is an example of what new school Survivor can be. Um, because it was nonstop action and interest and intrigue from the first moment of the episode to the last moment of the episode. Yeah, I thought this was one of those, like, it was nonstop action, but they did a really good job because it is the first episode of kind of explaining kind of what we're, like, what the new people are. Um, yeah, I, it just overall, and, and even specifically the new twist, and they did a good job of bringing Jeff out um, to start with. And, you know, Jeff uh, comes out, you know, really and explains to us, like, it's, it's, it's been over a year since I've seen you. Um, and I think that's when it hit it for me was like, Survivor has been such an important part of my life. It was gone. And like, we've been able to kind of get through it, right? Because of the, the podcast and, um, the rewatches. But for the most part, like in terms of just new content, new excitement, uh, new changes to the game, we hadn't gotten that in a year. And so that was a really cool moment having Jeff come out and do that whole thing. And then really from that point on, it was go, 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 go. A lot of, a lot of new stuff. Um, we can dive into that real quick. Um, you know, we had trying to think of all the new stuff. The, the one that stood out to me was a shot in the dark. Um, that one I thought we were going to get to see in action tonight. Um, because yeah. there were a couple of folks that seemed to be in danger and thought that like, maybe this is my chance. And I think for me, this twist, and I'll explain it in a second. It's good because. There is the tribes are really small. There's six. There's there's three tribes of six, and pretty much from the get go, you don't have. I mean, it's it's a lot more scrambling kind of has to go into it when there's only six votes. Um. Yeah, and and the other thing is that like when you've got a tribe of ten people, that essentially means unless things just get really wild, you have to have at least five people vote for you to go home. So you can have a pretty good vibe of whether you're in the top half of the tribe or not. And that's really all it takes is being in the top half of the tribe. And, and right. so it's a little bit easier to feel comfortable and, and to not go home because, you know, three people decided they didn't like you. And six, it's just such tight numbers that it doesn't take much for you to go home, whether you really deserved it or not. Right. And so the shot in the dark really gives you the at least the shot that the shot in the dark it gives you that chance of basically not getting unfairly taken out early when these tribes are so small um and kind of gives everybody a little bit more of a fair fight and so and it's a rapid pace and we're getting two people going home tonight and like i don't know if that's going to be a continued format but there's a possibility that it is um, where we get, or at least for the, for the, for the, for the first couple episodes, it might be 
you know, two people going home at a time. But basically what the shot in the dark does, it's a little die. You stick it in a little, little like a little urn. Um, you draw, basically draw a rock, right, out of a bag. And in the bag, there is one rock that true? basically guarantees your safety. Um, something to keep in mind, though, if you, you use the shot in the dark, you're also sacrificing your vote. And so if you don't get it and the vote ends up being that your alliance stuck with you or it's a 2-2-2 two, 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 um, kind of vote or it would have been, but then you your votes are a 3-2-1 kind of vote and you removed your vote from that, now it's tied and you didn't get your, your safety, something like that, something along those lines can, can also play a part in it because you're losing your vote if you don't get it. So I think that that is, 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 is a new twist. I like the twist. Me and you talked about it. Um, I don't mind some some advantages. I don't mind the I don't you know I don't want it to be like I've seen a season where somebody got taken out because it was final six and five of the six people had advantages. I don't want that. That's not fun. Like seeing one of Survivor's greatest legends go out on a play in which she just so happened didn't have an advantage was not fun for me. But something early like this is really good. Um, there's another advantage that was floating around. We don't know what it is yet, but it's called the Beware. Is that right? The beware of danger or something. Um. The beware yeah. advantage. I and we don't know what that means, called. but Tiffany came really close to finding it tonight. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I wanted to say something, I wanted to say something else about the the shot in the dark too. My sister yeah. and I were actually talking today. I, I I did not realize I knew my sister watched Survivor Psalm. I didn't realize how big of a fan she was, and that she's been listening to our podcast. According, if you're listening, a uh, little shout out there. Um, but that uh, she said she was a really big fan of Blood versus Water. And one thing we were talking about is if it sticks around till the till later in the game. I like the shot in the dark for one of the problems that I have had with Survivor that that seems to be a yeah. almost an unfixable problem is that it creates an opening for that player that is hit hands down one of the strongest players in the season. They become a target late. Uh, think about Jay in uh, Millennials versus Gen X. Basically, when he didn't win that that last immunity challenge that he was mm-hmm. in the game for, he was screwed. He, he, David, that, that same season. One. David, that same season, and and I don't know if it'll stick around till mm-hmm. final four. You know, it, it probably won't. But if it's, my guess is it probably ends at final six. Yeah. So you've got people that are there late in the game, and I think Jay was five, so it, it he probably wouldn't have it either. But those types of players, if they're around final five, around final six, and they get in that position where even their even their former allies recognize that this person needs to go. Well, this gives them that one final chance to, you know what? I'm just going to drop final. My vote doesn't matter because I'm voting for someone that isn't going home. I'm going to throw that shot in the dark. And it allows them to stick around maybe one or two more. So it has value in the beginning when there's just six. Mm -hmm. And I really think that one of the tribes tonight, I I think Sarah was kind of crazy not to play it. Uh, I I, I know Chantel... We're going to talk about this a little bit later. I know Chantel told her not to. We've talked about this at length in other seasons. When you have that few people in the vote, if you have any inkling that you're in trouble, take every out you can. If you got an idol, play it. 
you got an advantage, play it. If you got, in this case, a shot in the dark, play it. I, I just think it was crazy for her and for Brad, honestly, to know that their names were getting thrown around and to not take this shot that you've got. Yeah, Tiffany. Tiffany, too. Yeah, I, I, it, it definitely adds another layer. And look, I'm all about adding layers to, to, to Survivor. I love when you have to, to – I love when they have to add a, a different layer of, of strategic um, thinking to the game um, because I think it just makes the game more fun. And, look, I'm not saying I want it to be Advantage City, but I also don't want it to be – I don't want it to you know revert back to there being no advantages and it becoming a popularity contest either. Um, right. And I, and I, I do like one another thing I like about this is there's a balance. There's a risk to it. One there, you might give up your vote One, you have to give up your vote to do it. The other is you might give up your vote mm-hmm. and then not be safe. Like you, you might give up your vote and then, you know, it, it's, it's not this, just the pure safety without power. Like Jeremy had in, um, winners at war. It's, Maybe safety right. without, with, but definitely without power. You know, so it's it's I, that's what I like about it is that it's not just yeah. a straight advantage. It really is a, a hail mary. Um, and I'm really curious what that other advantage that you were talking about is. I'm really curious right. what that's going to be. Yeah, because I think again, I think my guess is, and I could be wrong on this, it's going to be another balanced balanced out advantage that basically it comes with risk and reward, and I think. To me, those kind of advantages are the the ones that are a ton of fun. And I think it's what Island of the Idols, some of it got right. And what they got wrong was it just the format of how they got there and 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 the the almost the I, I don't know how to explain it properly, I don't think. But like Island of the Idols messed up in, in certain ways on getting them the advantages, but and some of the advantages being kind of meh. But I like the I like the fact that there was risk and reward involved is what I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well the problem the problem with Island of the Idols is they put the risk in getting access to the advantage. Um and so when you're talking about an advantage of a of a you know, they had to come down to you know, Dean was one of the few that actually tried for it because they backed it all the way down to a fifty fifty chance. And if he wins, he gets an idol nullifier. Well, that's good. But when you're talking about, um, you know, and I don't remember if this is an exact an exact example, but if you're talking about a an extra vote, uh, but the risk is if you can't beat R- Rob in a trivia contest, you lose your vote. Well, I don't know that I'm going to do that. And it and it and another thing for not just from a gameplay perspective, but from a perspective of the show. And you ended up dedicating a, a big chunk of the show to something that ended up not impacting the game at all. Uh, all right. Like we had some, uh, like Sandra was supposed to teach the person how to build a fire. And so that was like five minutes of, of watching them learn to build fire. And then it was like, all right, now do you want to build fire against Boston Rob? Well, no, I don't want to build fire against Boston <laughs> Rob. Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I wish you'd have told me that up front. I wouldn't even waste my time. Yeah. So I think that was it. Um, and so this, especially for, for those two, and I almost wonder, Justin, do you think that this, because this idol was hidden, we saw Jeff hide one of them. Do you think that this advantage, whatever it mm-hmm. is, has replaced 
the hidden immunity idol? Could be. I mean, we don't know because there's one at each camp, which would which would imply that it is it, it would take the place of the immunity idol, right? Unless, unless it's. I think there was another season where, like, you found a clue like that, um, and it may be blood versus water too. You found a clue like that, and then you had to, at a challenge, get the idol. That was some of that was during Island of the Idols because Elaine got one like that. Yeah, but th- I think the original was Blood versus Water too. Yeah, and Kelly Wentworth got her idol at a at a challenge, and like I think all of the idols in that season were, or at least two of them, I think were at the at a challenge, and so that could be a way of of them reverting back to that thinking of. Because that's a risk, right? Like if you're in the middle of a challenge and your team notices that you're over here fiddling to get this idol off of a a peg or something or a leg of a of of a of the uh, like this thing on tonight was like a cart. If there was a if there was a hidden immunity idol underneath the track, if they turn around and see you sitting there fiddling with the track, well then you're gone. Right. Um. Or, the, or at the very least, they're flushing the idol. Or at the very least, they're full. or if you don't get the idol because they you get caught, right? Yeah, no, no. So, so yeah. So there's that, and then the the third element that was cool was everybody, every tribe sent somebody, and and the, and you've got the um, it resulted in a in a choice. It was kind of a they kept calling it the the mm-hmm. what was it the prisoners dilemma, um, where yeah, all, one person from each tribe they all had the choice separately after they had gotten taken some time to get to know each other. And um, and just that decision of am I going to protect my vote or am I going to risk my vote for the chance to get a second vote? Uh, it just add a little element, a little thinking element. Um, also, and I think it was interesting that the two young guys, maybe it's not interesting, <laughs> but the two young guys risked their vote and the older veteran guy said, I'm going to protect my vote. And by doing that, it did ensure that the other two guys got the, got the extra vote. Yeah. So just – those are probably to me the three biggest changes to the format. I yeah. do I did worry. So like I said, I like new school. But there was a moment mm-hmm. in the middle of the in the middle of the episode tonight. There was a stretch there where I was like, This is a lot. This is a lot going on right now. And it was teetering on the edge of this is too much going on right now. There's the, the, this this guy might have two votes. This guy doesn't have two yeah. votes. This person is looking for an advantage that we don't know what it is. They could all back out. You know, you could have five people decide that they're not going to vote tonight, and one of them is safe. But that means that the other person, like, there's just so much going on that it it there it was. was almost a li- it was almost too jarring to go from no survivor to. Everything you've ever had in survival right. all at once. Well, and that's the thing too is like we remember like the last season we got was forty, and there was a ton of change there. There was fire tokens and and all this other stuff that they threw at us. They added the, the extra million onto that season, and like there was a lot to that too. Uh, oh, by the way, it also had Edge of Extinction, and, it had, <laughs> and yeah, and they had Edge of Extinction, and so like. That was interesting. Like that was a lot, but we were coming into it from a thirty-nine um, that ha- that was all ba- literally based around advantages, um, and thirty-eight, which was Edge of Extinction, 
And that, that really, I mean, you saw Rick Devins go on an idle run, um, and, immunity run too, but he had the idols to supplement himself to the end, um, up until fire. And so like you had that and like, so 38, 39, and then to 40 didn't seem as big of a transition. You're right. This was a year of no survivor. And then all of a sudden everything's changed. I'll also say, and I told you this when it first started, I loved, I loved the marooning of this season. Um, so typically a marooning, like they'll have, maybe they'll get supplies um, out of, out, out of, out of it. Like they'll throw the stuff overboard and, 38 did Yeah, that. so you throw the stuff overboard and you get your supplies, you get in the boat and you go to your camp. Um, there's uh, some of the seasons, uh, we saw it in Pearl Islands where like you had to, they gave you like $50 and you had to go barter your way to supplies. I loved that one. This one felt very new and, and so they, the, the goal was to get all the oars in the, in the thing and then you jump in the water and you row, but you got to make sure you get those anchors off because if not, you're not be moving very far. And we saw that with a group. And, um, and what it also got you though, was, was Flint. Like you got supplies, you got pots and pans out of it. And the ones that didn't get it had to go to their, their Island and, um, compete again, in a, in, against themselves more or less to get supplies, um, by doing either a smarts versus sweat. Uh, I guess, a challenge. And I thought that was really inventive and new, but again, not too jarring. Like we've seen some similar stuff before, um, but I liked the marooning. I thought that, and, and really like you got to see some of the stuff that happened there come back up at the end as a reason to try to vote somebody out. Uh, it's what Abraham or Eric um, tried to use to get Tiffany out was that, I mean, he went all the way back to the marooning of where, like, where did she go? Why was she in the water and we're still looking for these paddles? Because they never even got off the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think, it, I th- and I think that to me was the biggest, the, the biggest positive from tonight is that it was a two hour episode with multiple challenge elements that were both fresh and new, but not. I used the word jarring earlier, but it wasn't jarring. Like one of the newest things was what you were talking about, the the sweat versus smarts challenge. You had two options, one where you lug a bunch of water into a bucket, another one where you you solve a puzzle. That's brand new as far as I know. I don't remember them ever doing that, but it felt consistent with Survivor. It felt like something that could have been there all along. (laughs) Um, And so – you've got this whole big narrative for two hours that all tied together. They did a really good job of showing us all three tribes. Now, some of, some of that is because you had one tribe win the Flint challenge and you had another tribe win the immunity challenge. And so you, you had reason to focus on all three tribes all show, but I really don't feel like there's anybody because we've talked about it. There are several of the seasons we've watched. You're a couple episodes in and you still don't know anybody on one of the tribes. Um, I feel like we saw a little bit of everybody tonight to where I got a really good feel for everybody in the season. For the most part, like, I, I mean, the only ones that I can think of off the top of my head that we really didn't get 
a great look at was I think it was Heather. That's fair. That's fair. Um, they, they didn't. I don't think they talked to her very much. Um, but for the most part, like I'm trying to think it over. Like Heather, Jeannie didn't get a confessional. I don't think. Um, but we got to see her a little bit talking and strategizing. She, she did. She got a confessional where she was talking early in the episode about her wife. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. what it was. So, but for, I mean, for the most part. Yeah, we like, didn't get a gameplay confessional from her, but we did get a personal story from her. Right. And so we had, we had quite a few of those, which I really liked, um, except for Sarah's, which made me cry a little bit. Um, talking about losing her grandmother to COVID. That was really sad to hear. Um, uh, cause I've gone through it. I know what that feels like. Um, and then there was another one. I think it was Brad who was talking about losing his dad. Um, so a lot of sadness in this episode, um, to some degree too, like, like you really, but, but like, sometimes I like that better than like, I don't know, like you get through five episodes and then you find out Adam is out there playing for his mom. Um, I don't think that's what happened with Adam, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you or like there's there's been a couple of seasons where like you get to the very like towards the very end and then all of a sudden you find out that like this person is playing for so and so who they you know they lost like three years ago and you're like dang that's really sad like I've already formed all these opinions about this person. <laughs> well, and and sometimes it's just the clunkiness of the edit too that gets you. Is that like um, let me go? What was the name? Spencer, the the young guy who was who was. Uh, the young gay guy from Token Chains. His name was Spencer, right? Well, the very episode yeah. that they told us that he was gay and struggling with whether he should tell any of his castmates and how they would feel, because this, of course, was you know, several years ago. Um, yeah. That very episode, he, that very episode, he gets voted out. Has nothing to do with the fact that he's gay, because I don't think any of them knew. Um, or, or the one that did was not one of the people that voted for him. I don't remember, but it. I do recall that like the episode was set up as though he was worried about getting vote, voted out because he was gay. Then he gets voted out 20 minutes later, but the two really weren't connected. And it was just a very awkward way to edit that. Yeah. Um, it was almost like you, you wanted to squeeze that fact in about him. Yeah. But yeah, then yeah. like you knew you didn't have any more episodes left. So now's the time you have to do it. It was just a really weird. So tonight I feel like the fact that we right. got, and at times that was overwhelming of like just all the stories and this person, he's gay and he's got a daughter at home and, 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 and he met his husband and this woman, she had a hard time because her family was very traditional. And so when she came out and had a, and had a wife and, and then this person, her grandparents died and, and just all of these, these stories hitting you at once. And, and Brad, whose father died like a week before he went to Fiji and, You've got all of these stories. It was kind of overwhelming, but at the same time, you're right. It will make the, the the overall story a little smoother. Whether those things come into play or not, when they do, it won't feel so. Yeah. Oh well, they're just trying to shoehorn that story in. Right. It doesn't right. feel abrupt. Um, like the Sarah story, if they had mentioned her her grandmother dying from COVID, like ten minutes before tribal. It would have felt very abrupt, but they, they brought us that at the beginning of the episode. And like you, you like immediately start rooting for her. But then like, also like when she goes out, nothing, it doesn't feel like, Oh, they try to get her out. Cause she had a good story. 
Like she didn't even have time to really tell it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a couple times where I was at Elaine a couple yeah. years ago where she's at tribal council and she starts telling her, her story. Um, and I don't remember exactly what the story was now, but she starts telling her story. Um, and immediately like they go to a confessional and somebody was like, if we let Elaine get to the end, she wins. Like that story is so heartbreaking. That story is so sweet or whatever it was, but you got the confessional almost immediately of, Oh, we got to get her out. Like we have to vote her out now. She has the best story here. I didn't get that from this because, and and that's something we shouldn't have this season for the most part is because we've got those stories already out there. And we also, it wasn't just confessionals that we saw that them talking about these things with each other. Right. Um, which I do think is one is is kind of an advantage of a more progressed game of a more like they're diverse. They all can tell they're diverse. They all know that they have different stories, so they're comfortable talking about it. Um, and I'll say for the diversity part, the moment that a lot of people are talking about on Twitter um, and a lot of people are um, adding Jeff Prince right now is he asked, what do you think about me saying, come on in, guys? And uh, Evie immediately steps up and says, it doesn't bother me. Like that's a catchphrase for the show. I, you know, I've accepted it. That that's what's going to be said and I'm fine with it. And then we wait a little while and Ricard comes on and says, it does bother me. That is something that we should be moving past is using guys as our gender neutral way of saying, come on in. Um, and I thought that was one that people are currently, I know <laughs> Russell Hans has said he'll never watch the show again because of that. Uh, good riddance uh, for one, but you know, I, I thought that that was a really cool moment that we got from that episode too, is it's a change, but it's a change similar to how survivor has always reflected life, right? Like we've, we've seen it with, with Varner outing Zeke on, on national television, he outed him as a, as a trans man and the way that Zeke handled himself. So composed and the way that Jeff handled that situation was really good. And, um, uh, Sarah at the end of last season, asking him to call her Lucina, like you only let the guys do it, Jeff. Why don't you let me? And that was an important moment in the game, similar to this. And it may not seem important to the casual watcher, but Survivor has always reflected life, and I really enjoyed that moment for Ricard to step up. And it was brave of him because you don't know what it like. Everything you say in this game can impact your game, and he didn't care that he he wanted to be the one to stand up and say it. So, Justin, I, we talked about this episode had so much going on, and I, I thought it'd be a good idea, and, and you kind of agreed, and it's a good way to. Uh, this is a thought I had earlier in the afternoon and then the episode played right into it. Um, so that worked out. What are some things that just surprised you that you saw tonight? Uh, we can go back and forth. I'll let you start, I guess. Yeah. We can kind of go back and forth like that. Um, I'll start trying to keep it like more like a pathway, I guess. Um, and not jump to right to the end. Um, but Nasir, um, on the blue tribe, um, and you'll have to help. Is it Luvu? Luvu. Yeah. Funny enough, my wife was watching with me for a little bit and she was like, they didn't get tribe names. They're just blue group. <laughs> it was like, no, they did. It's Luvu. 
because it was in the middle of the 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 immunity challenge later in the episode and when jeff was just going you know lulu way behind she she thought he was saying blue group so that's fun uh, yeah <laughs> that is funny i didn't think about that yeah so so uh nasir on the blue slash lulu uh group um he goes out while danny and d-rad deshaun um are out doing the sweat portion of the little thing to get flint and get pots and pans and stuff um he notices that they're not doing the challenge and like you wouldn't notice it if you didn't go over there to the beach to see that hey they're not filling up those canisters with our barrels with the water he goes over there to collect firewood which truthfully he could have been going to look for an idol we don't know um he goes to collect firewood he notices they're not doing it goes around the corner and he sees deshaun and danny just kind of running through the little thing looking for idols they end up not getting it um that we know of and nasir goes back to camp and something he says in the confessional is we all agreed that we wouldn't talk strategy because it wasn't fair to the two people that were carrying the load of doing that to be left out first of all you got to know they're going to be talking strategy so i don't know about all that i don't know about giving them that advantage but aside from that like if you have decided not to talk strategy that's fine. But he comes back in and he tells everybody, hey, I think we should start talking strategy now because they're not actually doing that challenge over there. And I don't think it's fair that we're we, we're holding up our end of the bargain not to talk strategy and they're not holding up their end. And I don't think we're going to get flint. So you can just go ahead and prepare for a night without fire. And then, Jeremy, what happens? They finish the challenge and they get all those stuff because you got to think. Danny yeah. was an NFL player. Um, you know, Deshaun is in really good shape. These two dudes could have like literally taken an hour like, because I think it was a four hour thing. They probably could have taken an hour off of that and still finished it. Well, I do think that we got some visual clues that it was more about Danny being an NFL player because <laughs> there was at least once where they were both because the, the way it works, if if I mean I'm assuming you're watching, but like there was at least one point where Deshaun was, they left the barrels about the same time. And Deshaun was like walking, struggling with his bucket. And Danny's like lugging it with one hand and running probably as fast as I run without a a metal bucket down to the water. You know, he was just trucking. And so I do think it was a lot of Danny being an NFL player that paid off in that. But I think what illustrates what this illustrates is that like, in survive being right and being survivor right are two different things because Nasir was right. It sucks mm-hmm. that Danny and Deshaun agreed to take on this task. That this isn't just like a, a regular old advantage. This is they're not gonna they're gonna have a hard time feeding themselves and having clean water and building a shelter if they don't finish this task and they're taking time off from this task, not only are they taking time off from this task to go look for idols that will inherently only benefit them, but they're doing it brazenly. Mm -hmm. This is, they're not off on another part of the Island. You can see them Mm -hmm. from not, it wasn't like Nasir like ran a hundred yards down the beach to check on them. He walked, walked away from camp down to the beach, 
looked to the right and was like, hey, they're not, they're not really doing the challenge. So he is right. That's a sucky thing for them to do. Whether or not they finished the challenge, that's a sucky thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. And, but especially in these small tribes, all it took was one person, Sydney, going, well, Nasir, he immediately switched to strategy, and I don't really like that. And she goes and talks to, to at least to Sean, I think Danny too, and it blows up Nasir's game. Right. Well, she, she blows up Nasir's game, but what she also does, um, I think it illustrates the, the bigger thing here is that Nasir could have waited because he didn't have right. all the information. And I think that's the key. The information is if they don't finish, then he has a true gripe to go to the tribe with. If they finish, the tribe is just going to look at it as Danny and Deshaun provided us with flint and pots and pans. Right. Like that, like even if you don't agree with how they did it, they still provided us with that. They still put their body on the line for three hours or four hours doing this challenge that we didn't have to do that. We just got to sit here and chill at camp and do nothing. Maybe, maybe, you know, lace up some palm fronds, but that's really it or whatever the palm, palm, whatever. They, that's all they really did was just sit around. The fact that they accomplished the goal was all that really like truthfully, that's the only thing that mattered once they got back to camp. But Nasir didn't wait for that key piece of information. He operated as if they weren't going to finish, but he really underestimated how strong Danny was. He really underestimated what type of tribe tribe mate he had because Danny, Danny's abilities as a former NFL player, I don't care if he played, one down in the NFL, the amount like the odds of making the NFL are like 2%. The dude's got to be, he's got to have some sort of talent to be able to get there. And when you're talking about a 2% athlete, like a top 2% athlete out there, he's going to bring something to the table. And he's not like super removed from that either. Like he's still very much in shape. He can take a full hour of just chilling on that beach and still finish that barrel thing in 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 the in the three hours. Like I don't think that's unrealistic. Yeah, I really right. So and and that's what I meant. Like it, it was ethically in the real world. Yes. Them hearing Nasir and maybe some of the others even say, um, "Hey, we're I'm I'm going to promise not to." Um, uh, we're not going to strategize while you're doing this and then turn around and, and use that time to look for idols. That That's not a great move for them. That's not a, a super ethical move for them. But within Survivor, it's a totally understandable move as long as you can finish the task. And they did that, and the seer just misplayed it a little bit. And and it and it could have cost him a lot tonight, uh, but it, it, it luckily for mm-hmm. him um, didn't cost him tonight. Tonight. But I, I still think he's really set himself up to be first first boot on that tribe. Unfortunately, like he's the easy vote now. Yeah, no, no, I think I think that's fair. Um, another thing for me, one of the one of the big surprises was that Brad just completely blew up his own game. And you talk about mm-hmm. the seer blowing up, getting his game blown up. Um, but Brad, you know, after the immunity challenge, um, 
Ua, which which was a tribe that we thought was was super strong. Um, they get back to camp. They lose the they finish second, I guess. Probably I, it doesn't matter. They didn't finish because um, Luvu won the immunity challenge. They get back to camp, and there had been some discussion that they were going to vote out JD, and we'll get to that in a minute. But Brad comes up into a group where they're discussing that, and it includes Chantel and Sarah, who did the puzzle portion of the challenge, and, and the puzzle is where they lost because there was a puzzle piece that was left in a bag, and that's a big mistake. But he comes up to those two, and was it uh, Xander? Was Xander the fourth? He comes up to them, and he's like, no, it was Ricard. Yeah, I think Xander Ricard was, was the fourth. Oh, you're right. It was Ricard. Yeah, Xander. Um, and he comes up and says, well, you know, here's what I think. I think it's one of you two, Sarah or Chantel. When Ricard was basically saying, I want JD out. Yeah, Ricard, like, uh, the premise of the conversation was JD, and Brad was like, yeah, I mean, maybe later, but he's strong. These two, these two messed up this challenge. And it just, it was just so, such, it was dumb. just such out of left field. It was such a bad play because Brad went from, to my knowledge, not getting any sort of mention to really in trouble. And it got worse at Tribal Council, but that, to me, that was one of the big surprises. Brad is somebody that, and through about you know an hour and a half of tonight's two-hour episode, I really felt good about my assertion that Brad's combination of being a um, a cattle farmer and having that physical prowess and the know-how to kind of handle himself in the wild, on top of just what seemed like a very balanced personality, I thought that would really mm-hmm. work in his favor. And then he just, it was like, and somebody said it was Ricard. Talked about how old school that was. It was like he stopped watching on like a season twenty. Yeah, well, and I think that the thing is, he all he has to do in that situation is say, "I'm good with that." Sounds good, ma'am. And then the minute that he sees Ricard along, just go up to Ricard and be like, "Hey, look, I don't really want to vote JD out. Like, this really should be a conversation about Chantel or Sarah. Like, and it's just such an easy yeah. fix that." what's the my one rule has always been um well one of my one rules has always been never tell somebody they're going home or never plant like never never abruptly tell somebody hey you're on the block um or like you know because the minute you do that those people one are going to start fighting but two they're going to fight the person that's bringing their name up and so like it immediately shifted to brad and so I think that, you know, like you said, he was ha- he had a good edit going. Like he really the only thing we had seen up to the point where he makes that boneheaded move was that he was making great connections with everybody. And we got the bit about his dad um, passing right before he came out onto the island. And really, like up until that point, like you're thinking this dude might fin- finish top five, top ten. Like he, he's a merge candidate for sure. Well, now you're left wondering: Does he make it past the next episode? Or at least tonight, right. we had and, to wonder and, if he was going to make it past this one. And in the 
um, you know, the preview of the next episode. It, it looks like he's on the run. It looks like he's he's on an idol hunt because he's in trouble. So, yeah, I think that that's very fair. Justin, what, what do you have next? And we talked about Jairus. Did, I think you had something about him. Yes, I thought JD was probably the most interesting man on the island. Uh, a little Dosecki's reference there. Um, <laughs> he felt like the most interesting man on the island tonight, right? Like he he was the guy where I was like, this guy is entertaining. He may not be great right now at this game, but he is entertaining. Um, he immediately gets off the boat um, or on the island. They've won the challenge with Flint, and he's like – you know, I got picked to be on Survivor over a year ago. And I'm finally here. But just because we weren't playing Survivor last year, I was playing Survivor. I don't know what y'all are doing. And he immediately starts that fire up with Flint because he's been practicing. Making fire with Flint probably for the last 12 months, which is what you should do. Don't get me wrong. But I never like the play of, give me that. I can do it. I just that 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 immediately puts a target on my back in my mind. Like if somebody asks me, like, hey, you know, I'm having some trouble with this. You want to give it a try? Sure. I'll be happy to help out. And then if I get it, like, I'll be like, you know, yeah, I mean, I can try it out. Hey, if it works, it works. If I go out there and I beast through it and get it done, I'm going to be looked at kind of like, was it was it uh, Janet? It was where like. Everybody was struggling, and they were like, "Hey, Janet, you want to give it a give it a go?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." And she gets it going. Everybody in that tribe celebrates Janet, right? JD gets it going. There's a little bit of celebration, but I think there was also a lot of eyes cutting his way. There was a lot of Ricard specifically picks up on it early. He's like, "Oh, this this kid's good." Like, well, not only that, but he like says the things that you shouldn't say in that scenario. He says the who. Check check that on the right. check that off the list. Check that off the I made a, I made a fire with Flint first day. Woo. He, it's clear that he is a super fan. He's strategic. He wants to make moves. He's he's very aggressive and it, it doesn't get him voted out, but man alive, he's gotta tone it down or he's gone yeah, almost soon. Did. Right. And you know, it reminded me a lot of Todd. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that and you can you can correct me on it if I if I am. It reminded me a lot of Todd and like Ricard felt like the John Robert. Uh, a much better version of John Robert. Let me make sure I make that very clear. John Robert in the sense that like he picks up on the fact that Todd is a potential strategic threat. Right. The difference is uh about twenty six seasons of seeing that you have to get that kid out. You know, Correct. Like, like, that's the yeah. Like Todd's the first. JD is like the thirty first. Um, yeah. And like the other, tw- you know, thirty of them have been have been one of the first five or six boots. And, and so I think that from that kind of that standpoint, you're like, yeah, that's JD kid. Like he goes on the hike with um, Danny and Xander to go make the, the little decision. He's the only one that comes back and lies about the. The scenario. Um, or right. not a scenario. He lies about what happened. He says he didn't risk right. his vote, and he did. And Ricard knows he's lying. Like, you can tell. And that's what they were saying. Like, Xander was like, I just told him the truth because I really didn't want to have to try to keep up with the lies I was telling. Well, and what's interesting is I got the feeling that Ricard thinks that, and I'm going to get to Xander in a second, but I, I really think Ricard thinks that JD lied about more than he lied about. Because really... Because really, all he did all right. was lie about the choice he made. 
he's right. The, but the, I think the rest Ricard of the, rest of the scenario, he got like an immunity idol. Yeah, the rest of the scenario, he he told the truth. He just, I think he might have fudged a little bit on the on the actual stipulations, but the basic premise that he told them is exactly what happened. He just lied. He he just lied about yeah, what his uh, solution was. But and that's kind of what Xander was saying, though. It's those little things. It's the little things that he was scared he might trip up on. And that's yeah. kind of what JD did. Because the thing is, if you trip up on a little thing, then it makes the whole thing look sketchy. And that's what Prince Ricard yeah. kind of got out of it was he's lying about something. I don't know what it is, but he's lying about something. And immediately, maybe your brain thinks that what he's lying about is much like really large. Instead of in reality, like it's something yeah. small, it might be something huge. Um, and then I would just say that JD, um, you know, gets in the challenge, does pretty well. Like he's pretty solid throughout. Um, didn't really stand out in that. But then it was the little interaction that he gave with Chantel that makes you think, well, maybe he can be a big power player in this game. He walks up to Chantel at Tribal. It's a live Tribal. And he goes, who do you want to vote out? I'm with you 100% as long as you don't write my name down. Because at that point, it was JD versus Sarah coming in. It was JD versus Sarah. Brad puts himself in the position of being the other vote. And JD basically says, look, I don't think we should vote Brad out because I think Brad is strong and Brad will keep us from coming back here. However, I will vote out Brad right now if you want me to. I will do exactly what you're asking me to do. I thought that was a that was a potential think, moment where you gotta like sit back, pause, and go, maybe this kid has a chance. Yeah, yeah. And I said we would talk about Xander, and I, for me, my one of my surprises was that Xander, the way he played the safety without power, or, or not the safety without power. Well, yeah, the 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 risk, the risk reward thing, the way he played that, it was kind of reminiscent of some stuff we just saw in Blood versus Water. In that he sacrificed his advantage to save his game. He didn't play along with what Survivor wanted him to do, which I'll be honest with you. The first couple of things I saw from Xander made me think this man's dumb as a bag of hammers, including how he ended up on that little endeavor. He just kind of seemed to be like, hey, man, you know, you guys know I won't do anything crazy. I'm just going to go over there and just do whatever, you know, like he just Seemed like just the dumb puppy that didn't catch on to the fact that, like, because somebody said it. I want to say it might have been JD just pointed out in a confessional when they were setting up who was going to get on the boats and ride to the other part of the island that, like, obviously when you're the one who gets in the boat, that leaves five people back at camp that can talk and go, well, one person's not here, so it'd be real easy to just decide right now that if we lose this challenge, that guy's going home. Xander seems to not catch on that, and he's more worried about pointing out to them that, well, you can send me over there, and you guys know I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm not really going to, not really going to try any shenanigans. He goes over there, he decides he's going to get the extra vote, um, or try to get the extra vote. He puts his his vote at risk, and then he gets back and he tells them the, the honest truth. At the time, I was unclear of how it worked. I thought this was an extra vote for him that he would use at the next tribal council if they go. I didn't realize it was an extra vote that he got to keep and put in his pocket and he could use it whenever. 
Um, but he knows that. And he, yeah. And yeah. They, and JD knows that. I didn't mention that. JD yeah, also and got so it. He talks. And so he tells his whole tribe the exact truth. And I thought that was just mm-hmm. such an interesting play. It was a little bit of a risky play because now they know he has an extra vote. And, and what an extra vote isn't is immunity. And so if they know he has an extra vote, it could work in his right. favor that like now he's somebody that they see as trustworthy and he's somebody that um, they all want to align themselves with because he has that extra vote in his pocket or he's somebody that the other five could go. Well, you know, we could just vote him out now and then we don't have to worry about that extra vote ruining things for us. I'll say this. I think that what that extra vote could be is I don't know how quick we're getting to the merge in this season because it is such a shortened amount of days and the jury's going to be, you know, I don't know what the jury's going to look like, how many people, that kind of thing. I just wonder if the quickness of this season maybe prevents a, a tribe swap and we go straight to a merge. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. Um, or That's going to have to depend on how the, how the eliminations go. Because, right. Because, you, I mean, you got two tribes that are down to five now. If one of them gets down to even, right. when one of them gets down to four, you got to do something. You can't, you can't send them to tribal right. past that. Um, so I, I think. Right. So there might be a tribe swap early and then merge won't be far behind it. Though. Right. And so with a potential merge coming, those extra votes could be huge because depending on how they align themselves, that extra vote could be the difference in like, if it's a, if it's like there's three people up and one of them is from your original tribe, one is from the other original, you know I mean, there's three tribes, those extra votes could be the re- the, the way that one person goes home instead of having to maybe go to rocks or um, having to align with a particular group, that extra vote could be the difference in one of your alliance members or one of your tribe members going home. So that those those extra votes can be key specifically around merge time because, you know, I go back and you look at there's some seasons where the the uh, you go into the merge and it's like a 5-4 kind of deal. Well, that extra vote could even it up to 5-5. Five, five. Or you maybe go to the merge and it's 4-4. It's four, four. And that extra vote gives you basically gives you numbers. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it, it, it's tricky though because this early on you don't know where that extra vote is going to be. You don't know if you sure you're in his tribe right now, but like it's just as good a chance that down the road you're voting differently than Xander is. And so him telling his tribe that they have two choices there. They can either decide they want that extra vote in the game, and because of that, they want to make sure he sticks around, or they could decide we can get this extra vote out right now because you know what I would hate? If I ha- if I knew this kid had an extra vote, didn't vote him out, and then a week and a half from now, I'm getting voted out with that extra vote that I could have rooted out of the game. So I, I could see that going one of two ways. It worked out really well for Xander because at least as far as we know, he was never even considered a target. And now he's got four potential allies. I'm going to go ahead and do my mm-hmm. third surprise because I think what you have is a great one to finish with. Um, what surprised yeah. me is that <laughs> yeah. not that Eric got voted out or Abraham. He, go, he goes by his last name. Um, not that he got voted out. 
because you and I both had him as somebody who was our second most likely to go home tonight. Um, but it's that he went out after the vote flipped three or four times on that tribe, because initially um, he made himself a target before the immunity. And I don't remember exactly how he became, he, he, he made himself a target, but he did. And I think possibly because he was, Oh, it was because he was, we already talked about this a little bit. He was targeting Tiffany because Tiffany was somebody who, for some reason, he got the idea that she didn't do enough to push the paddle to the boat. It was it was kind of a classic first boot reasoning. He saw something during the marooning that he thought she didn't pull her weight, and they ended up losing. Um, never mind the fact that he was on the boat the whole time and never found that sixth paddle. But he saw something in the in her effort about the way she approached it, and he targeted her as the weakest link, which I think is very valid, a very valid thing to target the weak link. He was targeting Tiffany, so he became the target. Um, and then it felt like he had flipped it off of himself to Tiffany successfully. Um, so it kind of started that he was trying to get Tiffany, and then he became the target because he was getting Tiffany. And it really looked like he, there were enough votes to get him out. But then he successfully flipped it, I thought. After the immunity challenge, when they became, when, when they were going to have to go to tribal council, yeah. I thought he successfully got enough people back on his side of saying, listen, we don't want to go back here. I'm strong. I'm good in challenges. We, Tiffany does not pull her weight in challenges. The best way to, for all of us to stay here is by not coming back to tribal. And she's not going to help keep us away from there. And I thought he flipped it well. Yeah, I thought he played it about as well as he could. Um, but I'll say, and I told you this before we, we got on here, I thought the turning point, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe this didn't have anything to do with it at all. I thought the turning point was Jeff. Um, he asked Abraham a question. Abraham answers it, and it's a very good answer, right? Like it's a, it's a survivory answer, a good survivory answer. We're true. He didn't really say anything at all, but he said a lot of words, which means, like in Survivor, that's a good thing. When you manage to give a very diplomatic answer that doesn't mean really anything, but makes you look and sound smart, typically it's a good thing. Jeff calls him out on it though. Jeff immediately says, Tiffany. And I'm like, what's, what's happening? And he goes, Tiffany. It sounds like Abraham just said a whole lot of nothing. And Tiffany is like a shark in the water at that point. She immediately tries to flip it back on Abraham. Says, yeah, well, like that's how he is at camp too. Like he tells you a whole lot of nothing. He's not really making connections with us. See, told y'all he was, he was a BSer. Like that's how it felt to me at least. Like watching was that the minute that Jeff – it was like yeah. watching an NBA game where Kyrie Irving throws the lob up to LeBron and LeBron just takes it and just throws it down with authority. Like it really felt like that was the moment where like if Abraham had flipped it, and I don't know how the – the editing was superb tonight. So it's possible that the edit made it look better for Abraham yes. than it really was. There's a possibility that he was never – he never really flipped it. But at least in the edit, it looked like he had flipped it on Tiffany. If that's true, if he had flipped it back, 
the moment that it got flipped again was the moment that Jeff stood up and, or not stood up, but he said, Tiffany, he just gave a great survival. He sounded like a veteran because he just told us absolutely nothing. And I'm like, well, dang, Jeff, you just sold this man up the river. And, you know, normally, like, maybe that doesn't matter as much, but it's the first vote. And they're looking for a reason to be like, yep, Abraham's the one. We're taking out Abraham. I didn't really particularly care for that. Um, Even though, like, he was probably the the move. I I don't know that I liked the way it played out because he did make what, in the edit at least, he made a really strategic move to flip it on Tiffany and did a good job of it. And you hate to see a player make that kind of move and then get 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 ousted because he got outed by Jeff. I, I do not like when Jeff shapes the votes and you don't see it often. And honestly, for a guy who has done as many tribal councils as he has, he, he really makes very few mistakes that affect the actual winner of the game. But I really felt like this one, I don't know that it affects the winner. I mean, Eric's if you're already on the chopping block on day one, you're probably not going to win. Uh Eric wasn't going past another. He he was going to maybe get through one more right tribal council, well, but probably unless not. unless something crazy happens. But like with with the way the path was going, if he didn't go tonight, he was probably going to go the next time they go to tribal council, unless there's a merge. But I just don't like it when Jeff shapes the 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 path of the game that way, and it felt like it really shaped the game. I agree with you, but you had something that surprised you from the other tribal council. Yeah, so <laughs> this was this one hurt my heart um, a little bit. Sarah coming into the season might have been my favorite player based on just the videos, and then in the first five minutes she seals the deal with the saw. You know, this really sad COVID story, and I'm like, that's the one. That's who I want to win. That that she's taking this thing to the end. I'm riding the Sarah bandwagon, and she goes, and it really felt like it was a. I felt blindsided as a viewer, which tells you again how superb the edit was because they had this big live tribal, which I felt like I felt like going into tribal council that it was down to two people, that it was Sarah or JD. And I really thought that Ricard, Chantel and Sarah were rock solid three and that really it was JD Brad and Jeannie would just kind of maybe go with the flow or maybe like Jeannie ends up get throwing a vote at Ricard and I'll explain that in a second. But like imagine if that had been a three, two vote, three votes on JD and two votes on Sarah. And the third vote was supposed to come from Jeannie, but it went on Ricard cause she didn't want to have to make the decision. Um, like yeah. that, that, that really was the most likely scenario for a little bit there. I thought it was going to be a three, three vote. We, we would revote and you'd see somebody flip pretty quickly because you don't want to go to rocks on the first night. And the Brad, like your surprise of Brad kind of comes into play. And we get this live tribal where by the time, like when we first started the tribal, I was like, you know, Sarah really needs to use the shot in the dark. Sarah needs to give herself that at least that chance of immunity um, t- to try to, to, sh- to shift some things. And 
Chantel, after talking to JD, comes back over, sits down and goes, she's like, I'm going to use my shot in the dark to Chantel. And Chantel goes, no, you need to save it. We're locked in. We're good to go. We're locked in. Everything's fine. You're not going home. We're going to vote Brad and everything's going to go great. And again, Chantel, the edit shows the last thing we see is basically JD saying, look, I don't want to vote Brad. I'll vote Brad with you. If that's what you want to do, they whisper a little bit. And that's the next thing Chantel says. So I'm thinking that Chantel has brought in JD and we're about to get a Ricard, Sarah, Chantel, JD vote on Brad and Brad goes home. Um, or maybe that Ricard has flipped some things and we've got, we're going to get a, um, Ricard, Sarah, Chantel on JD vote, um, JD on Brad, Brad on Sarah. Like, yeah, I thought it was about to get really, really, you know, messed up a little bit, but the JD was going to go home or Brad was going to go home. And then it ends up being Sarah and it wasn't even close. Like it was, um, three, no, four, the four. Four one one. It was it was Brad, JD, Ricard, and Ch- and Chantel voted Sarah, and um, Jeannie voted Ricard, and Sarah voted Brad. I'll be really interesting to interested to know where how Ricard fits into this. He seemed pretty dead set on Brad. I want to know what happened to made to make him. Well, he was split. dead set on JD. Like he was dead set on anybody but Sarah, basically. Yeah, he was dead set on JD, and then he's the one in the middle of tribal that was like, "It's got to be Brad." Yeah, it's got to be Brad. So like, you've so, got him basically saying like, "It's these two. One of these two has to go home here." Sarah's staying with me because we're going to run this thing, and he's the one that kind of flips and says, "Nah, I'm just going to vote with the rest of the tribe." And I'm like, "Dang, Ricard, that was that wasn't good. I didn't love that." Um, <laughs> but like, also like Ricard, maybe made the right move for his game. Maybe he realized like Sarah's, Sarah's a sinking ship and I got to get off of this thing. Um, and look, he probably made the right move for his game because now he's in the, you know, at least it looks like him and maybe Chantel and JD can work together moving forward to go against Brad. Um, or he could very well be at the bottom now and it'd be those three against him or those four. Cause I think Jeannie's going to be involved in that. But I will say, I think it's it, Ricard's going to have that that moment, that survivor moment of deciding how to handle his one vote. Me and you talked about it a little bit before we got on here. Was is he going to go to Jeannie and be like, "Hey, why'd you vote for me?" Or is he just going to kind of accept it that it was a throwaway vote? And I think that's what Jeannie did. Jeannie didn't. Want, she told Chantel, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Chantel, and said, "I don't want to vote for anyone." which is not not a very good voter confidence to see how she'll do this season. Um, because if you're first vote and you're already saying, I don't want to vote for anybody. And so what she does is kind of throw a vote on somebody that she knows is getting no votes. Um, or it could just be that Jeannie really doesn't like Ricard and that's the person that she really wanted to vote out. Like, I mean, she could yeah. just be voting her conscience, which is something new, maybe a little bit for Survivor, um, where – doesn't matter where everybody else is voting. I'm going to vote for the person that I think should go home. So, I mean, we don't know. We'll see. But I, I was really heartbroken to see Hera, Sarah go out in the first episode. Um, again, one of my favorites headed into the season. I think she was one of yours as well. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, I liked her a lot. I mean, I, she was your first pick, and if you hadn't picked her there, I was going to take her with my next round. Uh, like, I really liked her. Yeah, I didn't think my first pick would be out so quick, but I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Our fantasy game. Your first pick and your last pick. It's it's kind of a bookend. It is. It's a nice little bookend. Hopefully, everybody in between doesn't go out in the next four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I would like it if they did, but hey. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. But anyway, um, yeah, that was kind of my last little surprise was just seeing the way that, like, that was a great first episode because that live tribal really capped a lot of action. Um, uh, on a really, really good, strong first episode. That's one of the strongest first episodes I think you and I have seen together. I think so. I mean, Blood versus Water was a really powerful first episode, and and but, but this is this was another good one. So you talked about wanting to do this, so I assume that you have somebody in mind. Who do you think had the best? Who do you think had the best edit of the night? Um, best edit of the night. Um, I would. You know, I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. Um, Danny had a really strong one. Um, but I think, yeah, I think I might have to go with Danny. Like he, he seemed, and maybe it's because I didn't have as much many expectations for him kind of coming into the season. But I thought he had a really strong edit um, coming out of tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked a lot of what, a lot of what we saw with him. Um uh, you and I read an article that that kind of seemed to insinuate that because Danny was an NFL player, he was going to be screaming at people when challenges didn't go well, and what we and which I thought was completely ridiculous and unfounded. <laughs> like there was <laughs> nothing, nothing about what we've seen from Danny in the the pre-show uh, publicity gave me that vibe in the least. And tonight we saw the exact opposite. He was the one that, that multiple times when things were going poorly for them in challenges, he, you could see him going like. In in the the opening thing when they forgot to unchain one of the anchors, he laughed about it. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it wasn't his mistake. He was at the other end of the boat. He unhooked the front. Nobody in front of the back. And when Jeff said, "Hey, I'm pretty sure you guys didn't unhook the anchor," Danny laughed. And it wasn't yeah. like a. It was a genuine like, "Well, ain't that something?" Um, yeah, like and then when, moment. When, yeah, and then when he and D Rad were doing the water, and D Rad was struggling, it was just lots of just. Take your pay. Take your take your time. One step it's, at a time. It's fourth one quarter, step. baby. It's fourth quarter. We're gonna get this he, done. Don't you worry about yeah, it. Yeah, he was the <laughs> opposite of yelling, and, and maybe that's something we see later. Maybe it does happen later. Yeah. But for now, he. I thought. I think you're right. I think he got a great edit. My pick is Chantel. She was my number one pick in the draft, so maybe I'm just biased. But I really <laughs> thought she got a really good because they showed. I was worried when they showed early in the episode. Uh, that she has an inner I'm being sneaky noise, um, like a little song that plays in her head when she's being sneaky. And <laughs> and they highlighted that she was making relationships with everybody in the tribe. I was worried that that meant she was going to get voted out because she got caught being sneaky. But then she essentially had no pressure on her ever. Oh, and she than, was the main component in sending Sarah home. Yeah. She, she, she kind of flipped on Sarah um, Brad came up and, and pointed to both of them as, as people that were potentially um, potential, potentially going home. But then we immediately saw Brad and Chantel working together talking about Sarah. So I, I'm, I felt really good about the way Chantel mm-hmm. was edited tonight. I think she's somebody that, that's going to be around a long time. 
uh, worst edit of the night? Do you do you have a worst edit of the night? Because I agree with you on Chantel. I think I think Chantel did a phenomenal job tonight. I thought the edit was strong. I thought that she uh, definitely worked her way into a power position because I think she's got friends on both sides of the potential alliance there. I think her and JD are strong, and I think her and her card are going to work together. Yeah, a worst edit. It's tough. I mean, we've already talked about it. I think Brad came off looking really outdated. Mm-hmm. He came off looking like he just did not know how to play modern Survivor in the most modern Survivor season we've seen. So I, I, I it, it's kind of beating a dead horse because we already talked about it, but I think he probably had the worst, especially if you're talking about the worst edit compared to expectations. Um, I, I had high hopes for him, and, and I don't think he had a great night. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I toss out maybe in the seer had a really bad edit tonight because um, <clears throat> he was another one that I think we had some some similar expectations for that we thought he'd be good. Um, but my worst edit of the night goes to the person that just didn't get an edit. It was Heather. Unless I just missed it. I don't remember really seeing her a lot. Um, and I, I know there's probably some weird bizarro survivor fact out there that says if you don't get X number of confessionals or you don't get a confessional in the first episode, she may have gotten one and I just missed it. it does happen over the course of two hours, but she didn't seem very prevalent in the first episode. And typically I'm, I'm sure there's some fact out there that says that there hasn't been a winner that's, that's come back from having a, a almost editless or, you know, a, a presenceless first episode. Um, and so I thought Heather kind of struggled there and she was somebody I thought had some potential to, um, to potentially go. And she may, we don't know. It could be, you know, Tony was kind of edited down a little bit at the beginning of his season last year uh, in 40. Um, and they cranked it up the more he started to do some things. Um, I don't know that <laughs> Heather has the ability to crank things up the way that Tony did though, but she's another one that I thought that just didn't really get much of an edit. And maybe you saw something from her that I didn't, or maybe saw of confessional and I missed it. I didn't. And I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head what tribe she's on. So that, eh, that's not good. Um, she's she on my is... fantasy. <laughs> She's on the Blue Tribe. And that's some of it, is that um, the Blue Tribe finished second in the um, in the first thing. Yeah. And then they finished, They won the immunity. So the last 30 minutes or so of the episode was devoted to the other two tribes. And she wasn't part of that main action between Nasir, Danny, and uh, D-Rad. And so... Sid- so some of it is circumstantial, but Liana, Liana's the other one that I don't think got much of an edit. And she, she on that team as well. No, Liana is actually on one of the tribes that had a vote tonight. I think. Oh. Yes. Oh. Liana's on the yellow tribe. So that's, um, not, that's not great for her. <laughs> yes. That might even be worse because she, yeah. she was at tribal and I don't remember much from her. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this season. I, there, there's a lot going, there's a lot going on in this season. And, and I think there's a lot, be excited about and there's a lot to look forward to for next week and i'm just looking forward to, to watching it and discussing it with you yeah man always always fun to talk survivor i'm glad we're getting to talk about some new survivor 